Hello, and welcome to the episode, A Lesson in Humility. Quite a title referring to a collection of constellations that we can see from the Northern Hemisphere. These constellations contain excellent pointer stars to enable navigation around the night skies. But as myths go, this tale of these constellations holds a grim tale of vanity and revenge. Enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to a lesson in humility. This is an epic story involving six constellations. The first constellation is Cassiopeia or Queen Cassiopeia and she is the cause of the story but more about the mythology later. Cassiopeia is a very recognisable constellation and one that many of you will know, especially if you live in the Northern Hemisphere. Here in Hurst, Missouri, Sussex, we are at latitude approximately 51 degrees north and we can see Cassiopeia throughout the night and throughout the whole of the year. It's a circumpolar constellation meaning that the constellation circles around Polaris, the North Star, which is in the constellation of Ursa Minor, and none of the stars in Cassiopeia set below the horizon at this latitude. The five brightest stars in the constellation form a huge W in the night sky, or sometimes you may see it as an M, depending on the time of the night you are looking and what time of the year as well. Let's explore this further. Take midnight as your reference time. In the summertime, let's take the 21st of June, you have to look northeast to the right and just below the North Star. It's a W or an M on its side. In autumn, let's say the 21st of September, it's due north above, just slightly to the right of Polaris, and you'll see it as an M. In the wintertime, 21st of December, look northwest to the left of Polaris. Take your pick, again, M or W on its side. Then in springtime, 21st of March, it's directly no, north, but below Polaris, and is definitely a distinct W. So how do we find the W or the M shape of Cassiopeia? First, we need to find that star Polaris. Now we find it from the plough or the saucepan in the constellation Ursa Major or the Great Bear. Let's take the end of the saucepan pot bit away from the handle. And following the line from the two end stars, you will get to Polaris. And then you carry on, taking a slight arc over towards Cassiopeia, which lies about 30 degrees from Polaris. Use your hands as a scale in the sky. Spread your hand out as far as it can go, finger and little finger and thumb as far as apart as possible. That is 25 degrees. Now on your other hand, you can hold up the first three fingers 
that's five degrees. Pop them together, you've got 30 degrees of sky and you should be able to find Cassiopeia using this scale in the sky from Polaris. On the way over to Cassiopeia, about halfway along, you pass over the constellation of Cepheus or King Cepheus, who in the mythology is married to Queen Cassiopeia, the only married constellations. It isn't a very prominent constellation and looks absolutely nothing like a king. In fact, it looks more like the side of a house or the side of a church with a bit of a wonky spire. Just slightly off the line from Polaris to Cassiopeia is the star marking the top of the spire. And from this spire, you should be able to make out the rather skew-whiff, squarish shape, a little bit like a rhombus, that makes up the rest of the church or house. It all depends on when you are looking at this area of sky as to whether this shape is underneath or on top or to the sides of that star marking the top of the spire. Cassiopeia and Cepheus are both circumpolar constellations so you're going to be seeing Cepheus all year round as well. So we've met the husband and the wife but what about the rest of the story? For this we need to find at least three other constellations and probably a fourth. Andromeda, that's the next one. This is the daughter of Queen Cassiopeia and King Cepheus. Perseus, he's the hero, and Pegasus is the winged horse. And we will touch on looking out for the sea monster as well. It's easier if we head to Pegasus first, because we can use the bright stars in Cassiopeia as pointers to Pegasus. The more prominent stars in Pegasus make a huge square shape in the sky, the great square of Pegasus, which occupies about 15 degrees of sky top to bottom and side to side. Pegasus isn't circumpolar, so you'll not be able to see it throughout the year in the evening sky. It is really a late summer through to winter constellation. So as the Earth orbits the sun, it largely disappears in our evening sky in the spring and summer. To find Pegasus, we need to number the stars in the W of Cassiopeia. The first point of the W being star number one. This means the middle of the W is star number three and the end star is number five. Start at the beginning of the W, number one, and then track to star number three in the middle. Trace an imaginary line from star number three through star number four, and it will take you to the middle of the great square of Pegasus. You will be looking from southeast through to southwest depending on what time and what date you are looking. To give you some pointers, the top left of the square is the star Alpharats, and the top right of the square is called Sheet. 
The bottom right is called markab. Sheet is where the front legs of the horse join the body, which is depicted by the square. Markab is where the neck joins the body. You may see a shape like a stick drawn horse, which is upside down. The brightest stars form the body, followed by the head and neck and the front legs. It's only half a horse. After finding Pegasus, it's really easy to find Andromeda. The star Alpharats, which is derived from the Arabic for the navel of the mare, and marks the point where the constellation Andromeda meets the constellation of Pegasus. Alpharats is smack on the boundary line between these two constellations. And whilst it used to be part of Pegasus, it's now exclusive to Andromeda. So we don't have a great square of Pegasus anymore, but we still find Pegasus by looking for that massive great square. So remember, Alpharats is to the top left of the large square. Andromeda isn't an easy constellation to spot. Although I've said it's easy to locate, it's not very, very easy to actually spot the stars. What you're looking for are two lines, one above the other, but they're fanning out from the star, Alpharats, and they form two curves branching away from Pegasus. Pegasus is predominantly a late summer, autumn, winter constellation, as I've said. And the bottom line of stars is made up of the brighter stars. Remember, Alpharats is the top left of the large square. Although it's easy to locate from Pegasus, it's not an easy constellation to actually spot. What you're looking for is two lines, one above the other. Take the point Alpharats as the starting point. Then you've got two curving lines, as I say, one above the other, starting from Alpharats, and they fan out to the left of the great big square. And it's, again, like Pegasus, summer, autumn, winter constellation. The bottom line of stars is made up of the brighter stars. Count three stars away from Alpharats, so you're not including Alpharats. The top line of stars coincide pretty much with the bottom line, so they're one above the other. These are actually less bright. Hidden within this constellation is the Andromeda galaxy. How exciting. This is the furthest thing away that you can see without using binoculars or a telescope, just with your eye on a very clear moonless night. The Andromeda galaxy is two and a half million light years away. That means it takes light two and a half million years to reach your eyes after leaving the Andromeda galaxy. Finding the Andromeda galaxy, again, is a little bit difficult, but you're looking on that top line. Take Alpharats as star number one this time, then count two more stars on that top line. And the Andromeda galaxy is just above 
slightly to the left of star three. So have a good look and see if you can see this phenomenal galaxy. The next constellation in the story is Perseus. And to find this set of stars, we need to go back to Cassiopeia. This time, you need to trace an imaginary line from star three of the W through star two, and you will come to the constellation of Perseus. The stars in this constellation are not the brightest, but the ones you reach first from Cassiopeia are circumpolar. So there is just a small part of Perseus that you can see all year round. In fact, the brightest star in the constellation, Mirfak, is circumpolar. The second brightest star in Perseus is called Algol, which is derived from the Arabic for the head of the ogre which is a significant part of the epic story. So what is the epic story? The mythology of all these constellations? Well, as I mentioned before, it all starts with Queen Cassiopeia. Queen Cassiopeia is depicted as sitting in a chair. When she's a W shape, she seems to be sitting upright or on her back. But when she is hanging upside down in M shape, this is the lesson in humility. Because she boasted that she was be more beautiful than the sea nymphs, the sea nymphs also called the Nereids. And Queen Cassiopeia is depicted in the mythology as looking into a mirror all the time. You can imagine Poseidon god of the sea was not happy and he said i'm not having that and so he sent a sea monster to ravage the coastlines of king cepheus and queen cassiopeia the sea monster is also called cetus and we'll touch on the constellation of cetus after we've finished this story Oh dear, what was going to happen? The only way that they could stop the sea monster ravaging the coastlines of their kingdom was to chain their daughter Andromeda to the rocks as a sacrifice. Oh, not great for Andromeda. Apparently, she did have a dolphin companion. That is another constellation called Delphinus. What on earth happens to Andromeda? Well, this is where the hero Perseus comes in. Now, Perseus was riding on the back of the winged horse Pegasus. And he was coming back from a mission, if you will, where he killed the Gorgon with snakes for hair, that horrible, monstrous Gorgon, Medusa. Now, Medusa was supposed to petrify you if you looked at her literally turn you to stone. But Perseus was clever and he made her look at her own reflection through his shield or his sword and petrified her instead. And then he chopped off her head. And this is Algol, the star Algol. In the mythology, he's carrying the head of Medusa. And Pegasus is supposed to be been born of the blood of Medusa. That is why he is riding the winged horse. Anyway, 
on his way past where Andromeda was changed, he spotted her and rescued her by petrifying the sea monster with Medusa's head. And so he then thought happily ever after and went and asked to marry Andromeda. And of course, the whole story is depicted in the constellations. So you may have noticed that I've missed out the constellation of Cetus. It's the only one that's not really adjacent to the other constellations and it is difficult to find and it remains low on the horizon before midnight from September to December. But you can have a look in the books for Cetus but it's a difficult one to actually explain. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this story. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of A Lesson in Humility. If you'd like to find out more information about the Observatory Science Centre at Hurstman Zoo in East Sussex, then head to the website at www.the-observatory.org. Thank you for listening.